listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR. You are listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week, the 5th of March to the 9th of March. We kick things off sans Geraldine on Monday. She was busy uh, doing famous things in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I regaled Jeff with a story about me going to Crown Casino to see Dustin Martin interviewed. And quite the regaling it was. It was. What a treat. Uh, we also chatted to Justin Digger uh, about um, lead poisoning in your residential gardens and how you can get your soil tested. And also had a, talked about our highlights of the week in High Tide Thursday. Mm. That's right. Then we chatted to Sue Sullivan about her book, Women of a Certain Age, for International Women's Day. And then for our Friday funny bag, Nick Cooper, or Nick Cooper, as he's sometimes known. Or turned Nick up. Crapper. Yes. <laughs> Triple R, not for everyone, for anyone. Hey, you're on the Breakfasters on Triple R with Sarah and Jeff. Jess is away, although she is texting us from wherever she is right now. She had an event on in Sydney last night and uh, she's harassing us on the text line. Yes. So, g'day, Jess. <laughs> Thanks for that. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know it was you at first, so now we're okay. Um so on the weekend, I missed out on going to Jez's house to watch her do her um, ABC. She, she was having a show on the ABC at 9.30, which you can still watch on iView and stuff. You had important business so of your I own had, to attend. I did, such important business. Uh, off the back of the grand final win last year, me and my mates who were all Tigers. Who won the grand final last year? No, just the Tigers. <laughs> Who's going to win this year? Tigers. Uh, <laughs> so we, we went a bit bananas with... Getting really? merchandise and stuff. Yeah. And the funny thing is clearly the football world knows that there's some kind of crazy thing that happens to you after a win because there is merch aplenty. Everyone's suddenly creating... A fool and their money. Yeah. Easily exactly. So uh, we all went on like buying sprees, buying, you know, special premiership bits and pieces and, you know, T-shirts and all this kind of stuff. And as I said earlier, a friend of mine bought a watch that uh, one of the Tigers players designs as well, (laughs) which she doesn't regret, so that's all right. But in that, we also bought tickets to go and see Dustin Martin, uh, Brownlow medalist premiership player, speak in a Q&A. Uh, and he's not he's not known for He's not his, known for his speaking. No, he? he's quite shy and um, has really, you know, up until probably the end of last year, rarely gave many interviews. But kind of since winning the Brownlow, I think he's been encouraged to get, get out, out there, there and have a bit of a talk. And when we bought the tickets, well, I, I didn't realise that it was going to be at Crown Casino. I just first bought the tickets and also they hadn't announced who was going to be doing the Q&A. The first one had been done by Dave Hughes. Oh, so I kind of thought it would be a lot. Be good, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, and it was announced a couple of weeks ago that it was Sam Newman. Right, not, not really Dave Hughes. No, not someone I really want to spend a Saturday night with. Um, no. But it was all right. We all went along, had a bit of fun on um, Saturday Sam night. Sam Newman in the Crab Casino. <laughs> what an evening. I had friends going, what are you doing Saturday night? I said, go on and watch Dustin Martin talk to Sam Newman at the Crown Casino. And then they would just reply with these emojis like WTF. Um, what kind of monster are you becoming? Yes, who are you? <laughs> but so Saturday night I tricked off to Crown Casino. I have not been there, I reckon, since I was... For a while, I can't remember what would have last taken me there. I think I went once to see a show at Palms, which is where this was held. Uh, but it's, it's not clear what time. would take you there, really. No, and I rediscovered that on Saturday yeah. night. 
Uh, so I live quite close there and every now and then I, I say, you know, I'll go and catch a movie there and every time I do, I think, oh, boy. It's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? And I was really struck, so... I was struck by how many people were there from the moment that I got there about 6pm or 6.30 and there were hundreds and thousands of people walking around there out for the night. And I did wonder if that's where maybe tourists go as well. When you go to a city, you think I'll go to kind of a casino precinct maybe? Yeah, maybe. I know once upon a time... Like you couldn't have casinos in lots of places. So people would go to the cities where there were casinos and go. I don't know whether that's maybe people from rural Victoria, like you come to, if you're into gambling, you come to Melbourne, it's got a casino. It's a big thing. It's a big thing to go to. I mean, there's a lot there. There's shopping and there's restaurants and I guess there's clubs and stuff. It's just not places that I visit very often. And they tend to be, yeah. And well, within about 10 minutes of being there, one, I got lost because it's like a labyrinth when you go inside. Yeah. And then I ran into a hen's party within five minutes, a hen's party <laughs> and three inflatable appendages. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was like, I don't know that I'm ready to deal with this. Uh, and we, where we were going was right next to one of those, what are the, like the male dancey shows where the men like rev- kind of like take their tops off? Or- yeah, yeah. Or a, kind of like those hot stuff. Yeah. Shows, but there was one of those happening right next door to where course, we were going. Of course, so it was. There was this excellent kind of mingling of a, a crowd of footy, footy supporters, and basically just heaps of hens parties holding onto inflatable penises going into this male review. And it was so great. I'm like, this is everything happening at once. Uh, can you imagine people suddenly discovering themselves to be in the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> Which way am I meant to go? Um, but yeah, then so we went in and watched the event, and it was such a strange experience. So okay, so what was the format? Well, the format was Sam Newman came out at the start of the show and kind of did this spiel, like you know the the old uncle at the wedding who your dad hands the microphone to and goes, maybe you could say some words about the lovely couple. (laughs) And he goes, the definition of love is, you know, that I'm not lying. That's It was about 15 minutes of that. And we're all like, oh, God, Sam, come on. Uh, And then... (laughs) Sounds great. I've got a feeling, though, because Dusty doesn't speak a lot. Maybe they were trying to kind of... Pat it out a little bit. bit. Yeah, and then Dusty came out and that was kind of fun, you know. Everyone was excited to see him. Did he get into it? Yeah, he did his best. He didn't have much more to say than what we had already kind of heard about. Like, it's you know, it's always fun. It was fun seeing him speak and tell stories, but I think much of what we'd heard before. Um, and it's just, it's hard for me. Sam is just a bit, I found it very hard to watch him because he kind of made jokes throughout the whole thing. Just kind of like a bit sleazy, a bit of. sleazy kind of, yeah, like jokes about, you know, you know, Dusty's talking about doing um, some kind of meditation, who he, which he did with a woman who's a professional woman who takes him through this and lying on a couch and then Sam's like, oh, lying on a couch with a woman, you know, that kind of, <laughs> yeah. So It is the uncle at the wedding. Uh, yeah, it is. It's totally the uncle at the wedding where you're going, oh, dude, pipe down. And then at one point they, <laughs> there was a lot of video montages as well. Right. But that was kind of fun. If you're a Tigers fan, you want to see a video montage of Dusty just doing, he's famous for this thing called um, the Don't Argue where he sticks his arm out and pushes players over. And there was lots of montages of that. Oh, that sounds <laughs> good if you you'd like, like to watch that. And then they brought out one of his mates as well, um, former Collingwood footballer, Dane Swan, who's a really good... He was on um, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And he's quite kind of funny and and he kind of took up a bit of the show. He did, you know, 
10 minutes on what he and Dusty gets up to. So, Because I don't know if you've ever done that, you know, where you do sort of a Q&A with someone at like a, I don't know, a festival or at a wheel set, I think. But have you ever had that thing where you're out there with someone and you suddenly realise this person is giving me nothing? Yeah. <laughs> and you look at the clock, oh, my God, three quarters of an hour to go. I was did. it like that? It was, a, it was a little bit and I did kind of feel, you, you did sense that there was some kind of, you know, we're gonna we're gonna add a little story in here and, and, and put some photos <laughs> up for now. The video yeah. <laughs> Have we shown you these photos yet? Um, but at the end of it, the the end of it's like Sam leaves the stage, thank God, and and Dusty just says a little thank you to the crowd, which is really lovely. But um, there is a moment where they hold up the Premiership Cup, and then we all got to sing. <laughs> we all got to sing the Tigers anthem. So it was worth the price. I was going to say it was definitely worth the price of admission. And then afterwards, I got to get a photo with the Premiership Cup. That's that's great. I actually want to apologise to Geraldine now for not coming to her house. Free triple R. Dirt, dirt, dirt. It's where you grow your plants. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Hey, you got some on your pants. Can you stop singing about dirt? That's right. It's time to talk dirt with Justin Digger Calvary. When this week we are specifically talking yeah, about dirt. Never has that theme been more appropriate. I know. More appropriate. I know. And who would have thought that heavy metal and gardening were going to be discussed on the show today? Yes. Yes. Well, unless you listen to Greening the Apocalypse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 got bushy. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about soil contamination. There was an article in the Sydney Morning Herald over the weekend. Um, and a study had been done by uh, Associate Professor Susie Reichman um, from RMIT University. And they've been doing soil tests, just random soil tests in backyards around the country. And, and the article was focused on Melbourne. And uh, in their study, they, they did 136 samples randomly around Melbourne. And over 20% of those came up with readings of lead that was way above safe levels. So I want to talk about people growing food at home and they were saying, you know, this is something that you really need to consider getting tested or coming up with a strategy about this because um, the safe level in Australia, the safe level for lead in soils is 300 milligrams per kilogram. Um, and yeah, a great percentage of it was like one in four, I think the, the stat was that of the samples taken were above the safe levels. Mm-hmm. So those of you, the sorts of vegetables or, or food plants that are highly vulnerable to taking up because plants take up minerals out of the soil and, and if the law, if the lead is in the soil then they will take them up. So root crops in particular, as you can imagine, their roots are in direct contact with the soil um, so they absorb these sorts of things. And then leaf crops, so things like your lettuces and, and bok choys and those sorts of things because, you know, very soft plants and they just the lead is directly in the leaf and we eat that raw so it's not a, like it, it can even be filtered out. So um, something to... Uh, definitely think about. Look, you know, we were talking, been talking about this um, uh, this morning. I was, uh, you know, I don't want to come on today and, and start a panic about this sort of stuff. Yes. We've got to think about, you know, the sites, especially you know, most of the samples were from the inner suburbs, and so as you can imagine, the history of these sites is not known by people. You know, you might be living in a house in in Coburg or Footscray that might not even be the original house. It could have been an industrial site back in the day, in uh, you know, last century and even before that, or even. Um, considering that, you know, in in the last century, um, people didn't have a lot of money, so they were doing things themselves. So they were working on their own cars or painting their own house and these sorts of things. So, you know, 
paint, for example, is, is used to be just almost totally lead. So, you know, people are changing the colour of their houses all the time and there just wasn't the um, environmental thinking about disposing of potential toxic mm. items. It was all just chucked out in the backyard. Mm. Do you guys remember incinerators? Yes. Yeah? So yeah. in the yes. suburbs, as when I was a kid, every, every house had an incinerator and so it was like a big kind of barbecue thing. But you're allowed to just burn stuff. And so every Sunday the suburbs were just chock-a-block of everyone out the back. You just hear crackling and the occasional, you know, aerosol can popping off. And people just burnt everything. I so, have forgotten wow. about that. Now you think about it, it just seems so strange, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I remember from primary school it was like the plum job to get incinerated duty after lunchtime to go around and get all the bins and throw them into this raging fire wow. and just burn stuff. That's just how we disposed of stuff, you know. So there's that site in all the older suburbs. There's this one pocket... You know, about the size of a, a wheelbarrow that where the incinerator was, that who knows what sort of things have been mm. pumped in there forever. So in retrospect, that probably wasn't a great idea, was Yeah, probably it? not. Environmentally, probably not. But anyway, so, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that there may be some contamination in your soil in, if you live in the older suburbs. It's going to be a bit different for the newer suburbs. Obviously, they're mainly farmland. Not to say that there isn't toxins in the soil, but it, lead is the focus of this particular article. Um, so in... Um, suburban gardens, it is something that you need to consider about where you position um, your veggie gardens. Um, obviously, if you're growing ornamental plants, it doesn't really matter because you're not going to be ingesting them. Um, and plants do take up a part of this and it does filter out over time, but it takes you know, decades and centuries for, for lead to be um, dispersed. So. Okay, okay, like I'm sure there were lots of people who read that article yesterday when Sarah and I talked about it yesterday and like us, there are probably people who were a bit disturbed, maybe think I've I've got a garden, I've been eating it or whatever. What, what should they do? Well, a um, couple of things, a couple of strategies you can do. So um, there's a fantastic program run by Macquarie University. Um, it's called the VegSafe program. So they've, they've been running this for about four or five years now. So it's where you can collect samples from your garden, up to five samples, and send them off to them, post them, to, and you can just Google Macquarie University VegSafe program and all the details are on there. But they're testing them for a nominal fee of $20. So you can five samples. So go around your garden and thinking where you know where you might like to grow your food, and take some samples. Um, so it'll be at what's what we call the rhizosphere, so where the roots would be. So maybe somewhere so around the, a bit. yeah, hundred mil to three hundred mil or so, um, and send those samples off with your twenty bucks, and they will send you back a full soils report, which is amazing because that sort of thing would cost hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars normally. Oh wow! Um, depending on the, you know what you actually get tested, so. Um, before you, if you're at all unsure, you know, try this test. The other strategy, if you don't have the 20 bucks on your right then and there, is just to start growing your veggies up out of that existing soil. So raised beds or pots or those sorts of things, no dig gardens, just so that you can get the veggie root systems not in contact with the existing soil. Mm. So those two strategies, you know, um, takes the kind of the fear out of it. Now, in saying that, the map that they showed on that um, article of where the samples have been taken was completely random around Melbourne. So it's not like, you know, that you know, western industrial suburbs were, were any more toxic than, you know, the, the eastern suburbs. Um, and even within that, there was anomalies of, you know, properties that were in a block of each other having two completely different results, one yeah. that was completely safe and one that was highly toxic. So it is random, absolutely random. So you may be safe. That's why I don't want to start the panic. But it's definitely something that you would consider getting tested. So just to get things straight, so people who do that thing where you set up a veggie garden and you go and you buy soil from Bunnings or whatever yep. and set it up on a raise, they're all completely fine. That's fine. That's absolutely fine because you're in, in bringing in a whole new soil profile that wouldn't contain the lead. It's where you're going to be gardening in the existing soil of the site. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And if you don't know that, see, like I have a unit and I have kind of raised beds, but they they could be have, they could have been made from the original soil. So I don't actually right. know, so I'm better off testing just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Either testing or get yourself some raised beds and start producing new. You know, new humus, which is like the yeah. chocolatey stuff of soil, um, and create your own. So you know the ingredients that went in to create it and you know that they're perfectly safe. Mm. What about long term then? I mean, okay, so people should look into their own garden and get it tested or whatever, but does, I mean, Melbourne needs some sort of way of systematically dealing with this? Well, ideally, and that's, I, th- I think that's where um, in the future, if people, the more people that do the test, and I would encourage people to do it for, like I said, the nominal fee of $20. Mm. Um, then you've got those records. So you could have this sort of test and that could be handed on if you sell your house. It's like, hey, we've had the soils tested and this is all safe, part of the arrangement. So if we can start increasing the size of this map that they have now, um, I think that would be a great thing going forward. What do you put... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, what do you put the soil in? When you say test it, how um, do I send it off to the... Sandbags. So literally, you only need a sample about the size of a golf ball or something like that. You don't need a... Yeah, wheelbarrows, <laughs> um, yeah, right. and that's enough that they need. You know, some between a, wheel, a golf ball and a, and a cricket ball, they suggested. Okay. Um, so a handful of soil, um, but I think the main thing is you know to take it from not just at the top, but a little bit lower down where the yeah. roots are going to be. Like I said, so if you're keen on growing um, parsnips, for example, you might go down a little bit deeper. You might go down to you know 300 mil, 500 mil, because that's where the bulk of the roots are going to be. Okay. How's your soil? Um, well, I, I thought about this many, many years ago and, and I will get it tested eventually, but at the moment I'm growing heaps and heaps of things. Look, I'm, maybe I'm a little bit of a cynic, but, you know, there's so many things around. Well, just living in the city, you're ingesting all different sorts of stuff. Mm. Um, um, you know, the levels that we saw in this test, none of them were um, like, oh, it's going to knock you off tomorrow, but they're alarmingly high. And, I'm, you know, there's always the thing, how do they come up with this figure? What's, why is 300 parts per kilogram dangerous and 295 is, you know, wh- where's the line Yeah, gone? what does yeah. the lead do to you? Yeah, well, that's, well, apparently the studies say that, it, especially in children, that it has an effect on intelligence. And so they've, they've mapped yeah. some areas. There was one example in Port Piri, for example, that was an old smelter. Um, and the levels of the IQ testing of the children in that uh, region were alarmingly low. Mm. Um, it has all uh, different effects on your mental status. Oh, well, that's all reassuring. <laughs> thanks, uh, Digger. Thanks. On, a, on a positive <laughs> note, get out. In, in two weeks, you can come back and talk about something more uplifting. Yeah, gorgeous. Okay. Three. Triple. You're tuned to Breakfast. Uh, it is High Tide Thursday today. Um, also International Women's Day, uh, but this is when we talk about our highlights of the week. Um, I guess my first highlight would be eating breakfast that Jeff has provided. I was about to say that too. Yeah. Jeff brought me and you're eating breakfast to celebrate us. Being women and all. Yes. yes. So maybe um, this would be another highlight. Maybe you could give us both um, a couple of compliments while you think oh, we're so geez. great. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be a long time. This is what International Women's Day is all about. Just a couple. Okay, just one. One one thing you like about us both. Uh, I like your sunny disposition. Oh, thank you. You're always a font of optimism. Oh. Yeah. That's nice. Font of optimism. Yeah. I'm writing that down. Font of optimism. That might be the title of my next next show. (laughs) Please make it the title of your next show. Yeah. When when I see the face, I thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty good. And, um... 
I'll compliment for Sarah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've said this to Sarah, but I think she has a really good radio voice. Every time I listen to the show afterwards, I hate the sound of my own voice. Oh, you're good as well. But Thank you. But I Thanks, think Jeff. That's very kind. Sarah sounds like a proper radio person. That's nice. Thank you very much. I have a font of optimism and you have a nice voice. <laughs> Can we get on with the segment now? <laughs> okay. What's your highlight of the week? Oh, man. Um, so I think I... Don't oh, read sorry. that now. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we list things that annoy us about Jeff now? <laughs> so I think I was telling you I, I had some money in my bank account mm-hmm. and I wanted to know what to do with it. And I was reading about um, these this app you can get for micro investments. So oh. I won't name what it's the name of the particular yeah. thing. I think there's a few of them anyway. But what it does essentially is you can put quite small amounts of money in through this app and then the people there, like they aggregate all the money together and invest it and then give you the benefits of it, if you know what I mean. Like so it's yeah. a way of if you don't know anything about stocks or shares or whatever, yeah. it's a way of, in, of getting in on the mm. investment thing. And it's supposed to allow you to put – you can put in like a couple of dollars from a week or whatever and yeah. anyway. So I thought – It's a savings method. It's a savings method but it's supposed but to be – because it's not through banks but through the stock exchange, supposed to, you know, to get in on some market action. And yeah. wouldn't this go against your socialist ways? Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But I thought <laughs> I could make some money. <laughs> anyway, so I did this a week ago and I put a reasonably, not a huge amount of money, but I put a little bit of money in it. And then the first day it earned a dollar. Oh. I'm thinking, this is all right. I'm going to be earning a dollar a day. This is yeah, all going to... And then the day after that, it cratered. It just where you get this graph and you can look at it like on an hourly, hour by hour. Well, you, you can open your phone and look at it any time to see how it's uh-huh. going. And every time I looked at it, it was just nose diving. And I was I was saying, I think I was saying to you, to, to you Geraldine, mm. it, it makes you more aware of like things like the financial use. You don't now normally take much attention no. to. But they'll be saying, you know, like Trump will make some stupid statement and all the stock exchange will... And I'll look at my thing and it goes, there it, there it goes plummeting. To but the, you're not losing anything, are you, really, if you yeah. only made a dollar? How much have you put in? Oh, well, I'm not losing. I mean, I think last time I looked, I'd, I'd lost $15. Oh, Jesus, that's yeah. a lot of... I know. I think you should get out. <laughs> no, you've got, to, you've got to hold your nerve. Yeah. And then, anyway, this this is not supposed to be trauma <laughs> oh, Tuesday. No, <laughs> when I looked yesterday, it was back up to nearly the amount that I started with, except only down $1. I think get your money out and run now. <laughs> you won't no, but you got it up. What's the highest it's been up though? One dollar. No, I got up to two dollars and it dived again. How do yeah. you do? You, can you just get your money out whenever you yeah. want? Yeah, I just get out. No, of there. you got to. That's that's full suckers no, do that. I'm with Jeff. Got to ride, ride the yeah, roller coaster. Early days. Like, that's like what people say when they play the pokies. <laughs> just another five dollars. Yeah, <laughs> it's double your money. <laughs> if, you've, if I think it's. You've got your set amount and it's not like you're putting more money in. Yeah, right. But are they taking the money away from you though? Well, when I lose it, they take it away from me. Yeah. Then they put it back in. Well, the market goes up, the market goes down. (laughs) Turbulent times, I don't know. (laughs) Should be called Turbulent Thursday. (laughs) For us high rollers. (laughs) Uh, My high tide, well, this is just a small thing, but on the weekend I emceed uh, the Mordialic Food, Wine and Music Festival. Oh, yeah, I was meant to ask you about that. Yeah, I emceed the beach stage there, which was lovely. It was it had a nice view out to the beach and I just had to kind of intro bands and mm. then occasionally give the crowd some information about stuff. But 
I got to introduce one of the bands and before each time, before the band came on stage each time, I would go up to them and ask them about, um, I don't know, are there any gigs coming up that you want me to mention? Mm. I've got a little bio for you. And the second last band, and I've forgotten the name of the band, so this isn't very helpful at all, but I was asking a person what was interesting about them and, you know, what I should mention. Then he goes, oh, also, I'm Murray and I used to be in the Wiggles. You might want to mention that. <laughs> Oh, no way. And I'd forgotten that he now plays in like a soul band with actually members of Radio Birdman in Sydney. So people, uh-huh. so, so Pip from Radio Birdman, I think as well. Um, I forgot what the name of his band is. I'm trying to remember. It's like the soul something or oh. others. Uh, and, but I was like, this is so cool. And the thing is, I didn't want to tell him, but I actually knew it was Murray. You know, oh, you, I was yeah. Say. yeah, I recognised him, but I was trying to pretend like is it yeah. anything? And I wasn't sure if I was meant to mention the wiggle thing. Yeah, I so, thought you approached that but very so well. Thank you. He yeah. wasn't wearing a skivvy or anything. No, no, but then the the lady who was really lovely that I was working with, she um, did those wiggle hands at him, and I thought, yeah. oh, that is awesome. <laughs> you, he must just get that all the time. People <laughs> just walk along the street doing wiggle hands at him. You know that thing they do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the pointy, the pointy thing. Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that was really fun. And then I got to introduce him and, and say to the crowd, "You may." Know this I said there's actually two ARIA nom- nominee or no two ARIA winners in this group one of whom is not here because Pip and Radio Birdman was away and the other one who is Murray the former wiggle to my right and it was wow. so exciting and did people go off yeah people loved it and they also then I realised when they're on stage they kind of ham up the the fact that he's been in the wiggles before particularly if there's kids in the audience does he fall asleep yeah. and stuff no that's no, Jeff, that's Jeff. Oh, although Jeff sings on this band's album. The other Wiggle does a guest performance on this on their huh. album. I wish I could remember the name, but I'm sorry that I've just gone blank. That's so cool. Yeah, but it is a soul band. So that was my high tide was meeting. And then I was going to get a selfie and then I thought, nah. But I do remember, yeah, he's, there you go. Anyway, that's it. Uh, I think my high tide is um, getting on, on TV. Oh, man, your whole week has been a high tide Yeah, for you. it really has. There's been a lot of, lot of high tides. Um uh, so I went to Sydney twice um, and, you know, did the Opera House, had, you know, a stand-up special on, on TV. You watch it on iView. Um, and I watched that last night. Oh, did you? Yeah, with Andrew. I came in and Andrew was cooking and watching you. I was like, why can't I hear Geraldine's voice? And he had you set up in the kitchen doing your set while he was oh. cooking. <laughs> well, there's another high tide. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and there was something else. Oh, yeah, and having friends over for, in my new home. Aww. It's been a lovely week. You've had a good year. So far. It's been a lot of lots it, going yeah. on. Yeah. It's been busy and um, I'll enjoy it while it lasts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, the name of the band is The Soul Movers, in case you were wondering. Three, triple, R. Oh. You're tuned to Triple R. You're listening to Breakfasters with Jeff Geraldine and Sarah. Women of a certain age is a collection of essays about the female experience of getting older and wiser. It's published by Fremantle Press, which is officially being launched today. And it's edited by Jodie Moffat, Maria Skoda and our next guest, Sue Sullivan. Welcome to Breakfasters. Good morning. What made you realise first that we needed a collection focused on older women? What was the niche that you thought needed to be filled? Uh, The niche in this case is that um, 
women are generally more invisible than uh, men, of course, in society. Uh, and as we age, we become even more invisible, particularly if we're defined uh, by age and beauty, uh, other people's perceptions. So uh, many women are doing wonderful things out there. I myself was looking for role models, mentors and representation, but I wasn't finding them. So therefore I thought we exist, uh, let's write about ourselves existing uh, and other women of a certain age will definitely find that interesting, but women of all ages, because I think women of all ages need role models, mentors and representation. Speaking of that then, you have um, an impressive list of contributors to this book. How did you go about selecting them? What was the criteria? Mm, what were you looking question. for when, when you went finding them? Yeah, um, some of them, because of the general term, for example, Liz Bursky has written on this topic a lot. Uh, her fiction deals with women of a certain age as she's written essays on it and so on. I've worked with uh, Liz, so I contacted her and she jumped on board and was very happy to do it. Chrissy Neen had an article on older women writers finding success even though they'd been working at success all their life. Uh, so again, the topic was very close, I thought, to the uh, essays topics. Um, Pam Menzies in the book, she had a piece in the Overland actually, and uh, her piece was on um, organising a protest at the age of 70. And I thought that was a perfect book, a perfect story because it's difficult to organise a protest at any age, but here she was getting out and doing it at an older age. That's cool. Yeah, it was very <laughs> cool. Yeah, her piece is, um, it's really interesting actually. Uh, so in that case, uh, some people were people of my acquaintance. Uh, other people were people who I kind of cold emailed, which was in the case of Chrissy and Pam. Um, other people, once we got the uh, interest from Fremantle Press, they suggested some of their own writers, such as Sarah, uh, Drummond and Bridget Lowry. Also, we wanted an Indigenous uh, representation, so black and, black and right up in Queensland put me in touch with Janine Lean and uh, Fremantle Press put me in touch with Pat Torres in that case. As you say, all the stories are different women from different backgrounds and different experiences. Yes. What was the one common thread, if there was mm -hmm. one, that came through them all? There's a few common threads, yeah. So there really isn't any one common thread, yeah. but uh, I think education is one of the most common threads uh, in access to or no access to. So the older writers, in the case of Pam Menzies, who grew up in the 50s, or in my piece talking about my mother who did the same thing, uh, there just weren't as many women were not expected to go on to university or be anything different than nurses or teachers. Uh, their aim in life was to get married. Um, in the case of the immigrant experience, which Maria Skoda writes about, uh, girls weren't expected to go to university again. Mahreen Faruqi, who is a politician in New South Wales, uh, she came over from Pakistan and her father was very supportive of women getting an education. And she's a civil engineer, I think. She wanted to do what her brothers did uh, and her father supported that. So again, it was access to or no access to education really affected your life mm. choices. In your piece, you talk about your great aunt mm -hmm. and in it you said, you know, when you were a child, um, you did feel pity for her because mm -hmm. she was unmarried and mm -hmm. she came to to live with you. Was it live with your grandparents? That's yeah. right. Um, and because, you know, your, your brother-in-law and your grandfather seemed to regard her with annoyance, but then it was like later you found out about 
all the amazing things that she had done mm-hmm. and, you know, you look at it in a different way. So um, tell us a little bit more about her and also why is it so important to have these positive female role mm-hmm. models in your life? Mm-hmm. I think with my great aunt, uh, Mag, we called her, Margaret was her whole name, um, I think she was a role model for my mother. My mother had to leave uh, school early and then she had to resign from her job when she got married, as uh, stated in the story. And so I think there were a number of uh, women who didn't marry in my family and my mother always talked about them. So uh, I always thought she was thinking there is an alternative. Uh, My mother ended up having a late life career around about 40, forged her own way a second career, I guess. Um, But without Mag, maybe, without those people in her life, maybe she would have uh, stayed at home like my grandmother did uh, with limited opportunities, thinking this was the only life there was for them. Likewise, uh, if a woman doesn't remain working and relationships break down or they're abusive and so on, they're going to find themselves in poverty in later life, which is happening in Australia at present. Uh, We've talked about the similarities in the accounts of people's experiences of ageing. What are the differences, though? How is the experience different across, say, different ethnic backgrounds, different class backgrounds? That's a new question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, that's interesting. Maureen Faruqi, again, uh, she speaks about her own great aunts and the wonderfully strong women uh, in her Pakistani family, in Pakistan, not here. Uh, Here she can feel a sense of isolation because she doesn't have that extended family around her. But uh, when we put out the brief, we asked people to talk about um, uh, the crone mythology. So the maiden, the mother, the crone. Um, And she was like, there's no concept of an older woman being forgotten in Pakistan. Ah, Yeah, but there could be in in her educational class. You know, I, I don't know in other classes, but... But also there maybe are fewer opportunities in that case. Maybe they have a um, a higher position in the roles that they play there. Um, Chrissy Neen, I guess, talking about her own self, uh, talks about being ignored in Australia when she goes to the Apple store or that kind of stuff, like uh, people talking to her husband instead of her. Um, so across and Pam again, Pam Menzies talks about being free. She's never felt so free now that she's seventy. And uh, Liz Bursky talks about the regret that comes with age, but uh, that it's not something that we should necessarily reject. I think it's interesting too when you, in your piece you talk about <clears throat> how you get recognised as a single, an older single woman. Mm -hmm. And I felt like there's an expectation, if you're an older single woman too, that you have to have a really great career at the very Mm -hmm. least. Mm -hmm. Do you think that maybe we need to, the next conversation is that we need to lower that bar, that a woman could choose to be single and not have, you know, not be a scientist or a doctor. They could just be, I don't know, just work at a supermarket. They could just do a really normal job. Yes, yeah. I think... um, I, I myself don't think I have a wonderful career. Like, I like my career, but I don't think it's like I'm not a rocket scientist. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think that comes across the board with everything. I think being recognised, uh, if somebody is a very good mother or very good single um, person enjoying their life, if they have a contentment in their life, uh, I think that is important. But yeah. I also think... I. 
Women need to have the opportunity to be able to take care of themselves from a financial aspect. So they have to be smart about that as well. Yeah. The book is Women of a Certain Age. It's edited by Jodie Moffat, Maria Skoda and Sue Sullivan. It's published by Fremantle Press officially out today. We've been talking to Sue Sullivan. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3RRR in Melbourne, Australia. Time for Friday Funny Bugger, Mr. Friday Funny Bugger himself, Mr. Nick Kappa. How are so, you going? Uh, guys, look, a Thanks big for apology. Coming. Thanks uh, for arriving, Kappa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling you guys, I just, I comatose, okay? <laughs> I can't get out of it, all right? Look, as a special offer, Deborah on Triple R, because I forgot my Friday Funny Bugger thing two weeks ago, tonight, I mean, this morning, I will stay here for, for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> I owe it to the listeners. Uh, <laughs> I haven't talked to the station about it. Look, there's, no, there's, there's going to be a lot of people angry uh, if I'm not walking the line already. But, you know, I owe it to the listeners. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Oh, that'd be terrific. <laughs> I was so annoyed because I did the best gig ever the night before. Oh. Um, it was out in Hurstbridge. And uh, hello, Hurstbridge. Uh, a lot of listeners out there. They oh, said, oh, Hursty. hello. Hursty. Is that what they Yeah. Hursty. Yeah, this guy, um, Andrew Kelso, is an up and coming comic. Really nice fella. Just a, a real sweet, sweet boy, you know? <laughs> a, real, a, real, a real sweet boy. And he messaged me like a few months ago. He said, Nick, I'm starting this comedy night in Hurstbridge. I'd, I'd be honored if you could come. You know, I'm a big fan. And like a guy like me, I don't get many fans. <laughs> He's like, we can offer you. <laughs> He goes, he can offer you this much money, and I was like, oh, "Look, I use that's quite that's quite a cheap rate, but I will do it. <laughs> it's just starting up, you know. Well, you know, it wasn't in the four digits, which is what I usually perform for. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I've never performed for that. But anyway, uh, please, <laughs> uh, any potential customers out there? <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> uh, anyway, I was like, I was, I was taken back. I was like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll do it for you. Why not? He's like, oh, he was so stoked about it. He goes, yeah, come out to Hurstbridge. It'll be cool. And um, then I, I didn't hear from him for a while. And he goes, yeah, Nick, just seeing if you were still in for the common night, like a couple of days before, I said, yep. He goes, I've got the poster up. And I look at the poster and it's got comedy at the anglers and it's kind of got like a big fish on it, mm. um, like a big grey fish. It doesn't really look like a, a comedy poster. Oh, that's it? Just yeah, a fish? Just a big grey fish, oh. yeah, yeah. Oh. And then and it had four names on it and I was like, because he said I would be headlining, but I was like third down and and in small writing <laughs> and my name said Nick Cooper. <laughs> I'm a big fan of your work. I'm a big fan of your work. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it was fine. I was like, that's fine. And then he puts the he links me to the event and it, uh, it was so funny because, you know, you've got the cut, the Facebook event and the photo. It's usually something like people, like a big like crowd or something like that. It's just like a white shed, <laughs> just a white angler's shed in the middle of nowhere. And it was, it was so funny. So I... I said to him, "Oh, cool, man! No, no, I'll be, I'll be there." And then I clicked on the location, 
and it said this location is unavailable. <laughs> like on on Google, so I was like, Do you oh, think no. you're going to get murdered? <laughs> yeah, I, know, I thought I was going to get murdered. You know, and but yeah, he's a nice guy. I met, I met him. A few, he does a lot of work on Triple R actually. Oh. So yeah, he's a really really cool guy. Um, so <laughs> anyway, I said to him, mate, where is this? And he goes, he told me the address, and he goes, oh sorry, I've typed in the wrong street name. I'll I'll fix it up. Oh, and good. then on the train, he goes. Sorry, man, I got the number wrong as well. <laughs> he goes, it's not 18 Cherry Road, it's 30 Cherry Tree Road. I'm like, okay, cool, don't worry about it. Get off at Hurstbridge. I didn't know how far it was away. Holy cow. It was really in the sticks. Uh, yeah, 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 you just keep going. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Anyway, so it was so funny. Got, got off and there, it was like a cute little town. I'm walking down the street and I'm following the address on Google Maps and then I start walking down like just a suburban house street. I was yeah. like, where is this? Is this at a house, like in a shed <laughs> at a house? Someone's <laughs> garage. Yeah, and just when I'm about to give up, see like the Anglers Club sign, it's got the big grey oh. fish on the sign and I was like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. Walk in, it is packed. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's the dream. Yeah, and it's so funny because the um, on on the poster, I just, at this stage, I didn't ask any questions. On the poster it just said, there's toast. <laughs> like not, there'll be toast available. They were giving toast. away free toast. There's what? toast. And I thought it might have, I, I don't know, at this stage I thought it could have been the name of an act. Like I thought, I thought it's probably Dave Hughes or something like that. <laughs> Nick Kaffer and there's toast. I'm like, oh, cool. Hurstbridge is hottest comedy app. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I walk in and um, ever there's a lady. There's like you know those old kind of sh- sheds. There's like a canteen, and this lady's kind of stuck through the window of the canteen, and she's folding bits of paper, and she's telling everybody else how to fold paper, and yeah. she's like, this is you fold along here. And you do this, and then Andrew comes out. He goes, "Oh, Nick, sorry, we don't have enough electricity to power the fans, and it's really hot. So we're teaching everybody how to make paper fans." <laughs> <laughs> and then he tells me this, mean? and I see, I see two toasters blaring. <laughs> two toasters. I thought I was having a stroke. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, anyway, yeah, oh it was gosh. just one thing after another. But uh, it was the funnest gig. And, uh, great people. I think a lot of them listen to Triple R. So, hey, guys, at Hearst Bridge, they had, a, um, they had like, a, like a little tiny speaker. It was the smallest speaker I'd ever seen hooked up to a microphone. And then on top of that, a crocheted octopus. <laughs> <laughs> like a purple crocheted octopus. It would have taken hours to make. It was, it was, it was so. It was, it was, a, it was the best thing I'd ever seen. I put it on my head when I was there. I was like, "What is this?" Like, yeah. Oh. Were they all fanning themselves? When you're yeah, they were fanning themselves. It was sweltering hot. Um, oh, but wow. I would do, I would do a show there every Friday. It was so much fun. Yeah, what, and what I mean, I didn't get any toast. No. So <laughs> it was, it was. <laughs> I got a free Corona, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah. How did you get home? Yeah. Oh, just on the train, and then that's when but I did. Kept... Someone give you a lift to the train station? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the um, Andrew was telling me on the way back. He's like, I was like, man, that is that is the sweetest gig ever. Like such a good gig, considering no one replied to the event and the poster had the wrong names <laughs> on it and a big grey fish. And he goes, yeah, usually we get more people. We got to turn them away. He goes, but he said the fire wardens are really strict here. 
I was like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, we had too many people and the fire wardens came in and they said, no, nah, there's too many people in here. You have to get some people out. Like, what if there's a fire? And so it's just a shed with four walls. I'm like, the whole thing is a fire exit. <laughs> it's got at least four doors. I was like, they must be really bored in Hurstbridge. He goes, yeah, they are. They're really good. We've got to find a bigger venue. <laughs> how, how often does this gig run? I think it's once a month or something. Yeah, get yeah. me on. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll tell them. I'll let them know. Yeah, oh, it, it was it was the funnest gig, but yeah, it was one of those things where you're like, and I was catching a train back, and I thought, oh, you know, I thought I was going to miss my mate's band, Tyranno Man. Any you guys seen Tyranno Man? I do know Tyranno Man. Man yeah. yeah, yeah, so good. Tyranno Man, excellent. That's why actually I predicted that you were going to miss did. the show yes. the next day because I'd seen that you'd RSVP to Tyranno Man, and he's got, and I said. Kaff has gone to Tyrannaman at the tote. He's not coming in tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I know the, the, the lead singer, Nick, he's a wild man. He's, he's a, a wild, wild man. man. Yeah, yeah. We both kind of, we're, we're brothers really. We're, we're, we both have kind of confronting looks. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so uh, I was so bummed out because I slept through uh, Friday Funny Bugger and I wrote him a message. I said, hey, mate, great show. Loved it because I, I didn't get to see him. And then he said, man, let's go watch Black Panther. Oh. So we went to the food court, watched Black Panther. I was still a bit upset, but, yeah, yeah, it was That'd great. That did make you great. feel better, though. Yeah, it did make me feel better. Yeah. I, and, and, you know. Well, as long as you had a good morning, that's yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, are you doing a, a show at this festival? Do you want to plug your show? Oh, yeah, yeah. I am doing a, a, a Melbourne comedy festival show called Quantum Bad Boy. <laughs> Uh, yes. Last year's yep. was Chrome Doggy. How did you come up with this? Uh, I, I, all I, I don't know. I just I'm a real bad boy. Uh, <laughs> ride BMXs and stuff. Uh, also, I yeah, I read a book on quantum physics, <laughs> and yeah, it didn't work out. I didn't I didn't learn anything. <laughs> anyway, you can go to comedyfestival.com.au buy tickets there. Nick yes. Kepper, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you guys. Like, it really, was great to you. be here. <laughs> You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR.